What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to News Podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm okay. I'm tired because I just drove back in from a uh, being at a re- from helping run a wrestling show in Houston. But I'm here. I'm ready. Did you see the Astros? I saw the important part. Yeah, yeah. Jose <laughs> Altuve with the walk off home. It, it, I'm. It makes me really proud. Uh, to see the Astros succeed at this kind of level, it's it, it's insane the amount of success they've had over the past three years. Like it, it really is. Like they, that franchise is well run, top to bottom. Yeah, uh, they've been doing it right for years now, and uh, they certainly paid their dues a while ago. And they're they're collecting, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and, and they paid their dues, and they got kicked in the ass for it while they were doing it. <laughs> yep, hundred uh, percent agreement, and it's uh fun to see one of the wildest moments in uh that you can see in sports which is as we as we just watched a walk-off homer to go to the world series yeah it is insane it is insane um so before we get into it i have a quick announcement the reddish news podcast is now joining the blue wire podcast network so if you guys aren't aware of the network this is a sports podcasting network that is pretty wide-ranging it has a bunch of podcasts for NBA teams, for MLB teams, for NFL teams. Uh, there's even some wrestling podcasts on there. It's, it's a great podcasting network. Uh, we're excited to join on. What does that mean for you guys? Nothing. I mean, the podcast is going to become more regular, if anything. Uh, there's going to be uh, advertising on the podcast. Uh, it's going to be very minimal. And it's it's going to be... I think this would benefit the pod, the people listening to the podcast much more than if we weren't on the network because it's going to force me to be more regular. I signed a contract that <laughs> I have to be more regular. Uh, and I'm excited about it. I really am. I, I'm excited because we get more, we get access to more guests. We get to do this more often, wh- which is fun, which, which is, which is something that I, I certainly take great responsibility in and I can't wait. Uh, and I can't wait for uh, all the things that are going to be worth talking about this season, because believe me, we'll have plenty to talk about. Yeah, yeah, there will be a lot of stuff to talk about. But before we get into all the fun stuff, we have to talk about China really quick. Um, yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and, and insert LeBron James' comment in right here. I felt like with this particular situation, it was something not only was I um, you know, not informed enough about, um, I just felt like it was something that not only myself or my teammates or our organization um, had enough information to even talk about it at, at that point in time, and, and we still feel the same way. Uh, how do you think the league handled the situation overall? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not here to judge um, how the league handled the situation. Um, you know, I just think that, you know, when you're misinformed or you're not educated about something, 
um, and, and I'm just talking about, um, you know, the tweet itself. You know, you never know the ramifications that can happen. Um, and, um, you know, we all seen what that did. Um, not only did um, for our league, um, but for all of us in America, uh, for people um, in China as well. And sometimes you have to think through uh, things that you say that may cause harm, not only for yourself, but for, for, for the majority of people. And um, I think that's just a prime example of that. Part of the reporting today <clears throat> was that players in the meeting with Adam were wondering if Daryl would be reprimanded or punished because if a player had said something to cost the league money, you thought, not you personally maybe, but the players thought that, that they would be punished. Do you think that Daryl should have been reprimanded for that? Um, I think that's another um, situation that, that should stay behind closed doors. Um, we, we are to see what, what, what happens with um, any one of our players or, or with an owner or with a, a GM um, at a later date. Um, I think when we all um, sit back and learn from the situation that happened, uh, understand that what you could tweet or could say, um, and we, always talk, we, we all talk about this freedom of speech. Yes, we all do have freedom of speech, but at times there are ramifications for the negative that can happen um, when you're not thinking about others and only, or you're only thinking about yourself. So um, I don't believe, um, I don't want to get into a, a, word, a, a word or sentence uh, feud with Daryl, um, but Daryl uh, Morey, but I believe he wasn't educated on, on, on the situation at hand, and, um, and he spoke. And uh, the, so many people uh, could have been harmed, um, not only financially, but physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, so just be careful what we, what we tweet and we say and what we do, even though, yes, we do have freedom of speech, but there can be um, a lot of negative that comes with that, too. Last question, please. you believe that Daryl was ill-informed when he did that? Is it research? That's just my belief. I don't know. That's my belief. Um, um, that's all I can say. I, I believe he was either misinformed or not really educated on the situation. Okay, that was LeBron James on Daryl Morey and his tweet. Um, as you can see, uh, not very happy about <laughs> about how uh, Daryl Morey handled. Uh, I, I, I guess he, he he just wasn't happy that Daryl tweeted in the first place. He he wasn't happy in this situation that it put the NBA and the players in. And I guess like his apology like is. It wasn't an apology. It was more of a clarification tweet, uh, like an hour later, like about how it was more about the player safety. It it really didn't seem like that in the moment. Like, and we just played the clip for you guys. It really sounded like LeBron was angry that Daryl kind of got into his pockets a little bit. I mean, like, I, maybe I misread it for it. Did you have any other takeaway? Uh, no. I mean, that's that is exactly what it read like to me. Which I understand why he feels that way. You know, he's he's losing a lot of money is long and a short of it. And, yeah, he would like people to think before they mess up the the bank for him and a lot of other players in the NBA also. There's a good – I mean, there's a good reason to be upset there, but it also – it's predicated on the idea that other people are worried about his bank account. It was the wrong take. Like the, 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 <laughs> It that, wasn't that, a good look. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that was that was my take. If you, if you genuinely are upset and, and are worried about – upsetting the Chinese people. This is, there's a really simple way to, to handle it. No comment. That's it. That's it. That's all you have to do. Just say no comment. No one's going to press you further. I promise you. Basketball press, but basketball reporters aren't that like stringent about this kind of stuff. If you say no comment, they aren't going to press that much further. They might ask one or two more questions, but if you say no comment, they're not going to keep pressing it further, and you're not going to hurt your bank. 
Like you I don't mean, you don't have to speak Chinese propaganda out there. Like that that's exactly what he did. Yeah. That that I mean, is exactly yeah. what he did. The only way I can read this is that it sounds like he was legitimately angry at Daryl Morey for messing up the bag. Like, and, you know, once again, uh, he has, I understand why he's angry at that, but it's wild to me that, yeah, he, this is such bad optics, and he's usually so good at this. Yes. LeBron is very good at speaking in public, and he's very good at taking a stance that's going to, uh, that's going to both profit him and also profit him socially, if that makes any sense. Uh, this is a weird misread of the room. I mean, I think I would have to imagine a lot of players also are very mad at each other, are very mad about this, and have been talking to each other about it. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, the the league is pissed. But here's the thing, LeBron, you had ten days, yeah. ten days to come up with something, and this is what you come up with. You you're calling Daryl Morey misinformed and uneducated about the situation is not the correct stance. <laughs> it is absolutely uh, not the correct take. Like it, telling. Uh, Go ahead. Telling Daryl Morey that he should have thought more before he took a stance that's going to cost him money is uh, a weird stance that's going – he should have thought that more and is going to cost him money is the funny thing to me. Right, and again, I have no problem with with, with completely avoiding the situation and, and not – backing Daryl Morey, right? Like Steve Kerr, I thought Steve Kerr handled it brilliantly for a little bit. Like when he went out there and said, uh, he lied his ass off and said he wasn't informed on the situation, <laughs> so he couldn't comment. Whatever, that's fine. Like we all know Steve Kerr is a really intelligent guy. He's really he's really worldly. He's, he pays attention to this stuff. Like we, we know it's BS, but it, it doesn't matter because he essentially said no comment and reporters kind of backed off. And, and that, that's it. Like, yeah, sure, he got some heat for not backing Daryl, and I think he was wrong in in not saying simply Daryl shouldn't have been fired. Like, I don't think he would have gotten heat if he if he just said that. But everything else, like that's the correct way to do it. Like that that right there. Like Pop did it the same way. He did it the exact same way. If you don't comment on the situation, nobody is going to kill you about it in the press. And right now, like this is a really, really bad black mark because well, every. Well, let me finish real quick. So. LeBron has taken a lot of correct political stances in the past, right? And it's really hard not to read this as being really hypocritical. So when LeBron has another important stance to come out from in the future, like, we're all going to look back at this and hold on, LeBron. Like, you're the same guy who six months ago had this to say about Daryl and his tweet. So, like, why should we listen to you? Now... I think you should listen to him because most of the time on social issues and very important matters that matter to LeBron James, like he has the correct stance. But on this issue, he was clearly in the wrong. Like, like there's no other way to spin this. There really isn't. Now, the, the, there, there, ha, there's been devil's advocate, right? Like these guys were in China. They had to answer answer for it. Perhaps they were legitimately concerned about their own safety, which. I'm a little skeptical about like these guys stay in four and five star hotels and like had some of the best security detail that could possibly follow them. Maybe perhaps while you're in China, there's, there's always a possibility. Like, it's not bizarre for you to be held up there, right? Like that's happened before. So, so m- maybe that's a stance, but I don't believe that. Like, I don't believe that's what he was saying in that original stance. Like, like th- that's what it said in the tweet. I don't believe that's what he really meant. Oh boy, uh, man! By the way, I when you said that like he wouldn't get pilloried for uh, for taking a no comment type route, 
I think that's correct about sports media and about the media that's directly paying attention to uh, the NBA and this situation. In my experience, the greater media and populace oh, right, are yeah. going to pillory you for saying for saying nothing, which but I do it, on. The- it's different though. It's different though. Like it, when you're on a scrum, yeah. like s- sports reporters are pretty good about like if you're going to say no, com- like, like okay, so I, I was in a scrum with the Rockets this week and. Every single player and coach got asked about this. They all said no comment. They weren't pressed about it further. Like, like it's different. The culture is yeah. different. I mean, it, it is it is definitely a lot. Well, I mean, specifically, like, LeBron James would have still gotten some heat for saying nothing. Like, Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich are getting heat in a more general media and, like, and like civilian sense uh, for saying nothing. But uh, to get into that a little bit, like I've seen people not in the NBA sphere talking about this, and their stance is wild to me. A lot of people who are not paying attention to this appear to like perhaps think that Daryl Morey has been fired. So uh, it's it's hard, it's kind of hard to win with those folks. And a lot, I've seen a lot of people express the stance that they think the NBA should outright back the protesters in Hong Kong, which you, that's not a that's not a thing you would. It's be, not gonna happen. It's not. It's not gonna happen. If yeah. you pay attention to like sports leagues or the NBA, you'll know that like not only can that not happen, but it would honestly be irresponsible for that to happen. The league allows its players and uh, individuals to have whatever stance they'd like, but the league itself is not going to have a political stance. That's uh, like, even all these social issues they've been you know crusading for. It's been individual players crusading for them, not the league in general. Uh, I just wanted to get that out of there by. Right now, to say that anybody who's extremely mad at the NBA for how they're handling this, I don't know how the NBA could be handling this any better, but I do know how LeBron could be handling this any better, which would be to not piss off the American market more than he has to by letting his grudge uh, be more important to him than uh, making sure he's taking care of himself. Yeah, and, and the fact that he used the word financially is just such bad optics. Yeah, it, it's right on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's the exact wrong thing to say. Like he, like he, he had ten days to think of something to say, and he picked the exact wrong thing to say. Like that's what's flabbergasting about this. And like as you said earlier, like LeBron is pretty well versed in all this stuff. Like he, he is no stranger to speaking eloquently in front of the media. And the fact that this is the take he has is a real. It's it's really disappointing. And 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 first first of all, let me take this stance right now. This does not give you the chance to attack LeBron's education, LeBron's former political stances. This doesn't give you the chance to, like, just extinguish every good thing that LeBron's ever did in the past. Like, no. That's not yeah. what, that is not what we're going to do here. Yeah, I've seen a few people taking a stance that, like, oh, well, Darren Morey's smarter than LeBron. That's that's not it. Like, <laughs> this has nothing... This has nothing to do with education, and education has nothing to do with intelligence and value of people, either. Like, if we... We disagree with with LeBron James specifically on this point, and it has nothing to do with anything else. Right, like he's handled himself like really well. This is the only chance. This is the only black mark I would say in his like. Well, I guess you could say like maybe the decision, but that's not even like a, like a that's not even like a human rights thing. Like there's this, no possible moral weight to that. But yeah, yeah. I guess some people think there is, but you no, and I are definitely on the same page. There's no moral weight to that. It might just be obnoxious at worst. Right, like they, they, this is gonna be the biggest PR black mark LeBron's ever had in his, in his career. Like, like it, it, there's no other way to put that. Um, also, let's talk about Adam Silver. So, I, Adam Silver came out this week, and I thought pretty forcefully came out 
in support of Daryl Morey and uh, revealed his, his inner conversations with the Chinese government and Chinese businesses and, and basically said, you know, what we all thought about, like, and what my conversation with Jonathan Pagan was last week, we talked about how it, it was implied pretty pretty forcefully that the, the Chinese government wanted Daryl Morey fired. Like, and you, there was no other way to read that. Like, yeah. like just, just, just everything they've said in public. Like it was, it was pretty easy to read between the lines, and it seems like it was explicitly said um, in conversations with Adam Silver. And and Adam Silver came out and said, "No, we're we're absolutely not going to do that. In fact, we're not even going to discipline him. We're not going to fine him. We're not going to do anything." Like he had he had a right to free speech. He expressed that right, and uh, we're not going to say anything else on that matter. He, he, Daryl was completely in the right. Like I thought that was a really good look for the league. Um, especially kind of, because they kind of fumbled that first statement. Like, yeah. like is, is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, especially the Tillman for the Tillman Fertitta statement was the biggest fumble of them all, and it was like the first one. Right. Uh, and then, all right. So my stance on this is that if we, if we just start in the timeline from you know Tillman Fertitta's weird uh, anti-apology thing, where he you know he immediately says no, he doesn't speak for us. That's just his own opinion. Uh, the the league saying uh, releasing a statement that says that you know they uh, they apologize if anybody was offended and Daryl Morey basically said the same thing. Uh, I am not I am not upset with that, uh, which you know might be surprising for me, but I think that if if you can get away with a non apology when you didn't do anything wrong, I think that's fine, and I don't think Daryl Morey did anything wrong, even even if for example. I you were to well, even if you allow that perhaps like he might be on the wrong side of the issue which I am not saying that but even if that is even if you allow it to be the case he certainly can have that opinion and so he did not do anything wrong by any stretch of the imagination and so I think it's totally fair for the league to make a non-apology for that and hope that it blows over it did not blow over though <laughs> so then they had to go and do more stuff uh, it does make a lot of sense that Clearly, they knew as soon as that 4 a.m. press conference happened already that you know the Chinese market or slash China's stance was that at the minimum Daryl Morey had to be fired. There could be no going back without Daryl Morey being fired. And once they knew that that was the hard line, it wasn't going to happen. Like they can't, they were not going to fire him. So at that point, that's what I think I, we're in agreement that they really started playing it a lot better, uh, except for that rather bad misstep in the Rockets press conference that seemed to be a mistake. And the Chinese translation for Adam Silver's original statement, like oh yes, that was that was not good. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that was Adam Silver specifically, but it was definitely a league spokesperson. Uh, that that original statement, that that tran- that Chinese translation was was really it re- read really really badly, um, and it was essentially a pander to the Chinese government. And, and uh, the way they've handled it since has been really well, really good. So I'd give them a a, B, a solid B plus on the way they've handled this. It's going to cost the league a lot. It's going to cost the Rockets a lot. Jonathan Fagan already reported it's going to cost the Rockets somewhere from ten to twenty million dollars annually. And th- that may seem like a little bit of money. Like it's a lot of money, guys. That is a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> like like your standard playoff game is gonna get is gonna net you like two to five million dollars. So we're talking like a significant amount of change that the Rockets lost. <laughs> so um, it, it's definitely not anything to scoff at. Like the Rockets franchise value might have taken a dip because of this whole fiasco. Now again. Daryl was in the right. I, I I I think I think what you said off the top, like he was in the right, and perhaps he 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 could have timed the situation better. Maybe not have tweeted it right before 
NBA teams were headed to China. You know, I, I can I can emphasize with I can empathize with that. But I, I with the whole his original tweet in general, like I, I, I find a really hard time getting angry over that. If I you, have a I have a hard time understanding like what he thought was happening because. All right, look, I, I I don't think his stance was wrong. Uh, I think it's totally reasonable for people to take a moral stand on things they care about, even if that might cost them or other people some money. It's an untenable situation if nobody in the league can ever say this, and the, that's this is what the Chinese market's going to do. That's ridiculous, and they shouldn't be in that market to begin with in that case. But Daryl Morey doesn't strike me as the guy who would have sent that tweet if he knew what it was going to do, right? He's not... He's not a guy who really sticks his neck out there for causes very often, yeah. uh, which is not a slight to Daryl Morey. This is no. not the kind of guy he is. No, it's, it's I'm laughing because I remember um, actually, like I think it might have been last year or a couple years ago. I remember Daryl liking some pretty strong political tweets, and uh, like literally the next day, you go to Daryl Morey's like page, and there were no likes to be seen. Mm-hmm. Like, like he, he backpedaled it pretty. He backpedaled it pretty far. And like, and I don't think he even got any backlash for what he was liking. It, it just like that—that's the kind of person he is. Very cal- he is very calculated in that in that way. Yeah. And so it's amazing that he would tweet this, and you'd think he would at least have suspected that it might cause some backlash, right? Like they should—they've dealt with the Chinese market more than anybody except maybe the Warriors or Lakers, right? Uh, and he's a—he's a very cautious guy most of the time, and it's very surprising that he seen like. My my only read of how this could have happened is that perhaps he talked to like the people enmeshed in politics stateside that he knows, and that it, it seemed to be non controversial to them. And he was like, "Well, that's okay," but it's it is I I still don't understand how like he did not mean to do this, and it's surprising that he did so. Like if I thought he meant to do this, it would make more sense to me, but I don't think it did, and that's really weird. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it was a. Um... It, it was a rather surprising stance for him uh and, and honestly like like to be completely honest like i did not expect the amount of backlash you, that tweet would get like i really didn't like i i saw the tweet i'm like oh okay it's just a regular tweet about what's going on in hong kong and like how pe- more people should pay attention to it he's drawing more attention to it it's whatever like i i didn't think it was a controversial tweet i didn't well, think it would get the amount of backlash it would and i i, th- I think a lot of yeah. people shared that sentiment i i don't think like i think the rockets behind the scenes now th- this is the point i hammer home like for a lot of people who were killing tillman like i think behind the scenes the rockets were getting a ton a ton of backlash from chinese businesses you know essentially forcefully telling tillman to like fire daryl like and, and, oh, tell, sure. and, and apologize and say what he tweeted was wrong. Like I and, and I think that's what caused Tillman to tweet what he did. So like like and, and that's the only thing I would say in defense of what Tillman said. In general, I think he mishandled it. I think a, a press release would have been much better than than just quote tweeting your own general manager like at the, <laughs> and, and and kind of throwing him under the bus. Like um I, I other than that, like the, this whole situation is just kind of sad. It's just really, really sad, and, and and I know like like in J school, like what they tell you is like do not be emotionally attached to your subject, do not care, like tr- tr- try to you you can be passionate, but do not be emotionally attached. Like that, this right here is just it really sad 
situation for the NBA, for Daryl. Like, I feel really bad for Daryl that nobody really came out except for Adam Silver and backed him publicly. <laughs> like, that, 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 that makes me really, like, like, it's hard not to empathize with him, right? Like, it, it really is, like, a really tough situation. Like, it, it feels like a lot of the NBA turned on him in over one tweet and the the NBA has so much revenue attached to China like 15%. That's their biggest market outside of the United States. So and it bums me out that this happened when it happened that it happened in the first place that the NBA season starts on Thursday and then this is a massive story <laughs> heading into it. This is this is the main rockets thing right now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a bummer. It's a bummer. I hope it blows over in a few months. I don't think it will. No it's just it's sad like i don't know what else to say other than this is really this really sucks well now this is the reason this is happening though is because of a larger situation and that's right, i right. think this is kind of the crux of it right that like somebody in the league was going to say something about hong kong and it was going to cause a problem it's actually probably good that it was daryl because it it's forcing some people's hands about this and they can't really fire daryl if like was you it, know, it's, let me ask you a question for us like if if lebron had tweeted this would it have been better received oh boy um because i think it would i that, I, I think a lot uh, yeah, more people that might well would. I th- I think yes and no, right? So it depends on what you're on what you think is a better outcome. If LeBron had tweeted this, then it probably would have screwed things up for the Lakers. But I think it would be easier to uh, it would have been less likely to result in China's like this, this strong of a backlash because you, what are you going to do? Like silence LeBron James? He kind of is the league, right? And he's also a player, so you can distance him from from him a little bit. Uh, Whereas the Rockets were like the number one, well, maybe number two team in China, depending on whether whoever's at the top right now, Warriors, Lakers, Rockets. Uh, I'll put it this way. Like if LeBron had tweeted it, all of his sponsors would have left, like like all of his Chinese-related sponsors. He would have, he would have lost a ton of money overnight, and so would, have Lake, so would have the Lakers probably. But I guarantee you right, more, but they- more, more players, more executives. Like I guarantee – like I stand – hashtag I stand with LeBron – would be a hashtag that actually trends instead of this hashtag I see in my mentions all the time. See, like I stand with more like that. Like like I'm not sure it's, it's noble. I don't think it's getting anywhere. You know? I'm not sure because I think if LeBron tweets this, I don't think China takes as strong of a stance because really? what? Are, yeah, well, because what are they? Once again, what are they going to do? Are they going to ask for LeBron to get cut from the Lakers? They can't do that. That's that's immediately off the table. Whereas Daryl Moore getting fired is much more on the table. Like I think they don't overplay their hand as much if LeBron does it, and I think the situation doesn't get as big as it is. And the crux of what I'm saying is that it it might actually be good that it got this big because looking at the situation more closely, it's probably bad that the NBA has been in bed with China and the, and a lot of other companies as well. And it's probably bad the way we've been trading with China as well. And that is, I mean, this is diving fully into politics, but this is a moment here where both sides of the aisle are talking about our relationship economically and politically with China. So this is, this is where it verges into a, uh, a national issue and so from a larger perspective of like 
what should we as a society be doing with China? This is probably a better case scenario than LeBron saying it, because at least it's forcing us to confront a question that we've been kind of quietly avoiding for a long time. Yeah. Uh, but it extremely sucks for Daryl Morey, and it's not great for Rockets fans. Yeah, and, and and to be clear, this is a major, major news story. Like this was on the front page of yeah. the, the Times. Like like it, it was. It might have been on the in the corner, but it was on the front page. Like you rarely see the NBA. On the front page of the New York Times. I mean, this, this, this whole—they're passing bills about this in Congress, right? This—it's likely this would be the biggest national pol- political story right now, if not for the truly yeah. unusual <laughs> other stories that are happening, right? And right. you all know what they are, but they're like those aren't the norm. On any other news day, on any other news cycle, in any news month, this would be the biggest thing. So it's it's a really big deal. It's gone well well beyond Daryl Morey. My stance is that if he's going to get fired at any point, it would be between this coming season and the next one. They absolutely cannot fire him during the season for any reason. Like there's too much scrutiny going on in the league right now. Like they the whole league would get pilloried for it. And I honestly am impressed impressed by uh by Adam Silver because the chances that he stepped in immediately and like had a talk with like I'm not gonna try to predict what, what Tim Fertitta wanted to do, but I know that Adam Silver was talking to him immediately and coordinating right away. So this is I think Silver and his people have handled this like overall quite well and and with great alacrity. Uh, the fact that Daryl Morey wasn't fired and no one like apart from some some uh, some. I guess anonymous sources that we've heard. There's never been a report that Daryl Morey was actually in danger of getting fired or even punished in any way. Is very impressive to me. Yeah, and to be clear, like just because Daryl wasn't fired doesn't mean there wasn't real human damage over this. Like people lost their jobs over this. Yeah, a lot of journalists in particular. Yeah, and and people in in the NBA's league office in China, like 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 that. That's not. It, that that's part of why it's so sad. Like the the NBA's built this relationship with China, and you make a great case. Like may, may, maybe the NBA shouldn't have ever done that in the first place. But now that they're so deep in, like they have to protect these these interests, right? Like these, it's not just economic interests. These are people's lively livelihoods. Like it's it's not. It's tough, man. It's really really tough. Um, and hopefully we're in a place with this in a year where. The league isn't so heavily depend. Maybe not even. Hopefully, in like five years, the league isn't so heavily dependent on this authoritarian regime. Um, I doubt it. I really think this this relationship is going to continue. Uh, I, I think if if anything, this, there's just going to be a real chilling effect with how players, executives, owners talk about China. Like if any, if there is any talk yeah, they don't, about China, they're not going to talk about it at all if they can avoid it. Right. Yeah. The, the, there's not going to be any discussion. And there's no there's no reason for them to right now either. They're incentivized to keep quiet about it right now because uh, one thing people aren't really talking about as much, especially on a national level, is that it does seem that the Chinese market is backing off some of this stuff quietly. It, they would like they overplayed their hand and their bluff was called, and now they'd prefer to like quietly just kind of go back to some sort of normalization here. And things like LeBron talking about it doesn't help that at all. So uh, right now the the NBA is incentivized to just keep quiet about it and see how it plays out. Uh, if the, you know if they had if they had knowledge that it was over forever, there's nothing they can do. China's freezing the entire NBA out forever. I think they'd be playing us a lot differently, right? You'd be a lot more bold in that case. Uh, 
but right now they don't really want to make a move in any direction. They've made their statement, and now the ball's in China's court, and they just need to see what happens there, and that, who knows how long that'll take. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we get into some other Rockets news, let's read our first ad read. I'm excited about this, Forrest. I am. I'm really pumped about it. So following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything that's happening in the sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even happens. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Um, so let's talk about some other Rockets news. Uh, Gerald Green, injured foot. Uh, this sucks. <laughs> I don't even know how to transition from that. Uh, yeah, the, the, not not good, not good. Um, you always know when when you when your injury has a name, like it has when it, when it has like a name, like that. That's when you know it's bad. Like Jones, whatever, like it, whatever the name is, when your when your foot injury has a name, that, that that that's that's when it's bad. First of all, it's a bummer because Gerald Green really looked excited for the season. Like he really did. Like on media day, he came out and talked about how he's super excited to get going. He's excited to run. He's excited to play with Russ. And 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 it's a bummer that this is the guy. Like he's been a huge, a central figure in Houston's locker room. Like he's been an an uplifting figure guys love him uh he's great to everybody players coaches media everybody like nobody has one word one bad word to say about Gerald so in that respect it's really rough uh from the basketball side like it it doesn't help but I think the Rockets can can survive this if only (laughs) because like it's 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 not their it's not part of their core eight Right, like Ger- Gerald's a, yeah. a, a good a good player. He's been a contributor for the Rockets for a couple of years now. But I I don't think when you're talking about like the Rockets' most important players, I don't think Gerald's on that list. <laughs> and I think they have some time to replace him. Like the fact that this happened in preseason and not right before the playoffs gives the Rockets some time to salvage this. Yeah, if if Gerald Green's you know t- fifteen minutes a game or whatever uh, are a major loss for the team. They have bigger problems than Gerald Green's foot, so I. Th- it sucks, like you said, because he is a great presence. He's gonna have to be full time cheerleader, I guess, for the rest of the season. Uh, but in terms of you know on the court basketball, that this is not the worst thing that's happened to them. Uh, it's disappointing and it's another bummer uh, before this weird season gets started. But they're gonna be okay as far as the rotation goes. Now, one way it really could hurt them is if they do get injuries to start the season off, because then there's nobody to yeah. replace replace those top eight guys, right? Like that. Like then you're talking about let, let, let's say that Austin Rivers injury that happened um, a couple of days ago was actually a big deal. Like then there's you're gonna have to play more Ben McLemore. You're gonna have to play. 
You know, like you're you're, you're going to have to play your your top guys a lot more minutes and play guys you're not. You know, Chris Clemens is going to have to play like that. that that's not something like I like Chris Clemens. I know he's developed a strong fan base within the Rockets uh, community. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, been, he's not he's not that guy though. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not he's not ready for this. Like, and, and that's not a shot. That's just the way it is. Like, he's five nine. He can't play in the Rockets rotation in playoff minutes, and that's not someone you want to depend on to carry you through before guys get healthy again. Uh, same thing with um, Ben McLemore. Like I, I think Ben McLemore is pretty good. Uh, I, I think he has a pretty good shot at replacing Gerald's minutes. But like if, if, if Ben gets injured, like there's no one behind him. There's no, there's, there's literally <laughs> yeah. nobody behind these guys to replace him. So in that respect, it could hurt them. But for now, if the Rockets can carry through and, you know, knock on wood, they don't get injured the whole way the whole way through um then th- i think they'll be fine but they they do definitely need to find a solution for his roster spot i do, i think i have a feeling they're going to carry him through going into the season i have a f- i i think when it comes to february like i i don't think Gerald's going to be on the roster like i, I think there'll be some sort of trade whether that's they'll trade or cut him yeah, they'll, they'll try to get rid of like they'll try to clean that roster spot up to get someone to fill them fill fill those minutes. Same thing with Nene, like like that. That's what really hurts the roster. Well, the Nene, Nene's already been, yeah. The problem is Nene's already been at the door since the since the first weird thing that went wrong for the Rockets this offseason. Yeah, so the Rockets are going to have to find a way to replace those two roster spots. I suspect that going into training camp that they're going to not going into training going into the season that those guys will stay on the roster. But but come February, I think the Rockets are going to use their cash considerations, or you know, go straight to the waiver, go straight and waive those guys. Because I think, you know, going into the playoffs, they're, they're going to need to find some play, some guys. Because you never know. Like even if 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 you yeah. think the Rockets are even if you think the Rockets are good, like you you just need to get like replacement like break in case of emergency guys on the on the team. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean Nene's definitely gone. I think. Gerald's probably going his spot. His roster spot's more important than his salary, obviously. Uh, and we'll we'll see what happens with that. I'm not a hundred percent convinced they'll wave him or trade him away at the end of the year because he's just so he's so Houston that he you know it's it's almost better to have him around to uh, just be a good vibes for the team. But they very well might just go ahead and cut him and be like, yeah, we're gonna we'll sign you back again in the summer, Gerald. Just to, <laughs> we we need the spot for now. And, we'll and, see how other guys pan out too, though. So. Right, and, and this makes their balancing act around the luxury tax much more harder. Like because Gerald's a guy, you know, who we thought we all thought that it was was going to be on the roster all season, and now that he may not be there, like there's a chance that if if the Rockets have to waive him, that they're they're going to have to pay, you know, obviously additional additional money. Um, and 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 that means the Rockets may have to get into the luxury tax now. As of right now, I suspect the Rockets are going to find a way around that. But, you know, it increases the possibility. And maybe the Rockets say, screw it. Let's go all in. Let's let's make a trade. Uh, let's waive Gerald. Let's find someone. Um, so let's find another minimum salary player on the market. And let's go all in. You know, and maybe that's the maybe that's what the Rockets do. I don't know. Uh, the, the, it looks it seems like the Rockets are going to avoid the luxury tax this year, but this perhaps indicates that they may have an excuse not to go that route. I think they should just bite the bullet and go into it and not worry about it. But that's well, just me. <laughs> that, that's what everybody thinks, right? But but like the reality is like 
we're still in an unclear spot with Tillman for T the Rockets owner. What what have you taken away from the Rockets preseason so far? Uh man, it as it's preseason, uh, every ever tell you this, every year I take less away from every preseason. The main thing that is slowly getting hammered into me is that you can't really learn much from preseason. You can see like what some schemes they're going to use are, or you can kind of see like maybe where a guy's head is. So the only thing that I'm really sure about right now is I, there's only two things I've taken away at all. One is that the guys who aren't Russell Westbrook look like they have pretty good chemistry right now. Uh, we'll see how much that matters over the course of the season, but there is a lot of continuity to this Rockets team apart from you know the, the Chris Paul Russell Westbrook swap, and I think that will it will not be harmful. So that that's good to see. Uh, and Russell Westbrook remains a big question mark. Like we didn't get any any uh, real indications of that this is going to go how we wanted it to yet. I don't think we get any real indications that it's necessarily not going to go how we want it to go, but we weren't given any assurances. Well, um, what one thing that really sticks out at me, and I said this on the last podcast, like pace, like they are, the Rockets are so much faster than what they were last year. Like they, like even in the minutes that, that Russ isn't on the floor, they are making a concerted effort to run and run, get into their sets faster, get quicker shots, and it, it seems to be working. The Rockets are playing at a high level offensively. Now, they were playing, at, let's be clear, they were playing at a high level offensively the past three years. I'll, I'll say that I think he is going to lift up their pace somewhat, but you, you can only trust preseason pace so much. Well, I think this is going to carry over because I suspected going into the season that they were going to play faster. Now, I didn't think they'd be this fast. Like, I didn't think they'd be sixth in pace fast. Like, but. I suspect that they're going to be a top 10 team in pace, which is markedly better than what they were last year. <laughs> Ted last. Yeah. 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 That that's what's really stuck out at me. Uh, some other things, uh, Ben McLemore might have a shot, might have a shot. Yeah. Might be I mean, in, until they find someone better than him, I think he's going to play spot minutes. Yeah. And, and, and I think now that Gerald's out, like he's probably going to take up, like at least a percentage of those minutes. Like he might not, he may not take all those minutes, but I think he's going to take at least half. Like I, I think, I think half of Gerald Green, Gerald Green's minutes are going to Ben McLemore, and I think um, you know the rest will be taken up by committee. You know Austin Rivers, uh, Daniel House, whatever. Like like th- those guys will, will help take up those other minutes. But I think Ben has a shot. Like I, I didn't think Ben had a shot before the season. Like he he's he clearly has some tools. Like he can shoot the ball. He's athletic. Can run the floor. Um, the, the biggest part, the biggest drawback to Ben McLemore, uh, in prior years in Sacramento was always his basketball IQ. He just didn't really know. It sounds really rough. He just didn't really know what he was doing. But he had he had <laughs> he had he had all the skills and the all the athletic tools. But in Mike D'Antoni's offense, it's so simple. It's so god simple. Like. It, it's re- it's really it is really hard to screw this up, and I think Ben's gonna Ben's gonna find a roster spot here uh, because of it. And I think you know, like it's pretty cool to see a guy like that, uh, you know, bounce around the league for a little while before finding a spot that might work for him. Now we don't know. It's preseason. Last last preseason, uh, Michael Carter Williams looked really good, <laughs> and uh, and we all know how that turned out. So still too early to say, but I. I have a feeling that Ben McLemore will find a spot in this rotation. 
Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think a lot of guys are going to find a spot in this rotation. Uh, I I have mostly liked what I've seen from uh, from the starters, and I've somewhat liked what I've seen from the bench. I don't think it's a great bench, but it's not terrible. It's okay. You know, I've guys like like Tabo Cephalosha looks like he's going to be kind of useful. You know, it's good to see that that seems to be probably the case. The guys like that that we thought were would be kind of useful are kind of useful. It's good to have guys, and the Rockets have guys. So uh, yeah. I don't I don't really know what to take it, take away from it beyond that. Yeah, it really bums me out that we don't have lineup data. Like, and, and that that's something that like five percent of people who watch the NBA care about, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, no, nobody else cares about lineup data other than us. But um, th- that would definitely help illuminate things. Um, yeah, like. It looks like Tabo Cephalosha is, is probably going to be Houston's default backup power forward. Uh, and that's interesting. Like, I thought you would think going into the season, he was probably going to be Houston's backup small forward who would occasionally play backup small, uh, power forward. But it seems like Mike D'Antoni is uh, dead set on playing him at some of the, some of the bigger positions. I, I You've actually seen stints with him at backup center, which is really interesting. Like, the Rockets are really getting creative with these with these preseason minutes. Um, now, obviously, going in the regular season, Tyson Chandler is going to play the bulk of the minutes at backup center. Uh, guys like Ryan Anderson, Tabo Sefloshe, like they're not going to play backup center for very long. And Now, what, what, where this becomes interesting are the games that, in the games that Tyson Chandler doesn't play, uh, the that's where the, it becomes interesting. The legendary like, Nene games, the right. nine Nene games, or whatever. The back to backs, all that stuff. Like, I don't think. First of all, I don't think Nene is going to play at all. Like, like it really becomes. It's really becoming clear that I, I don't. I don't think. Like this adductor injury is a little fishy. Uh, it's it's a little conveniently timed. I don't think Nene. We're going to see much of Nene if at all this season. Um, so I I think those nine games. Like I don't even think those are going to exist at this point. And I think, I think you're going to see some Ryan Anderson at center when Tyson Chandler doesn't play, and perhaps <laughs> That's some the movie. I'm, I guess, going to get ready to watch again. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's different when you're in the Western Conference Finals and when you're just playing the regular season. You're playing backup center, right? Right, like, and you and you're just you're just playing spot minutes and not all the games. It's it, I think it's different in that respect. Like when the stakes aren't so high. Like I think that I think that look is interesting. It's nice to have in your back pocket, but I think, I mean, I guess I'm coming from a perspective is that the only time that particularly matters is the playoffs, so the regular season will kind of sort it out south, itself out however it's going to. Well, Ryan Anderson's not going to play in the postseason. Like, let's be clear. Like, that, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. Like, he's not, he's not a part of Houston's core eight when it comes to playoff time. Like, but in the regular season, that's interesting. Um, some other interesting things. Um, perhaps the most interesting thing, the Rock, a lot of Daniel House, a lot of Daniel House. The Rockets uh, started Daniel House this week. He's gonna. It looks like going into the season, he is gonna be Houston starting small forward. The Rockets are really leaning on him, like they're really leaning on him. Like he's going to be a major, major part of their season. And a lot of what, a lot of what the Rockets do this season is gonna be dependent on him filling a very key role. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the move though, right? Like, what else are they gonna do? His, like I said, he's so key, and they need to just get him, you know, comfortable in as many minutes as they can, especially given how much of last season he missed. Well, it's interesting because the Rockets haven't depended this much on a young guy since Clint Capella, right? Since they initially took that leap of faith that Clint Capella had starting center, right? Like they 
that's where it's interesting, right? Like, like not that, not that Daniel House is playing a role. It's 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 the fact that this is the first time in a long time that they, they've taken a chance on a project like this to play major minutes and be a part of their core rotation. Like that's that's what's interesting. Like I think I think even going into the playoffs, like like Daniel House is going to have some tough assignments. Like, it, can you see like in a Clippers series, like House might be asked to guard like a Paul George. And that's what's it like. I I, I want to know if he's up to that. I want to know if he's up to those tough defensive assignments and those offensive, uh, like offensive performances. Like we know he can shoot the ball. We know he can dribble. We know we know all that stuff. But is he up to all those other things? Yeah. It, like, like is he up to shooting three for six in a key playoff game? Is he up to defending uh, two or three key players on on another team? in a major playoff series. That's what I what, what I want to know. And obviously we won't know that till the postseason, but I think in the regular season I want to see some of the major matchups the Rockets play. I want to see how they use Daniel House, how they implement him, the different positions they play him at. Like that that's what I find really interesting. Yeah, I think he's probably number two on the uh things that are important to watch this Rocket season. Number one of course being Russell Westbrook and still how that's going to go, but yeah, Daniel House is a huge part of their, their rotation, and they definitely need him to show something more. Uh, and he showed a lot of flashes, right? Like, at his best, especially last season, he had a lot of games where he looked legitimately good. And if he can meet that standard, if he can get back to there consistently, that's fantastic. And they found, they found a real diamond in the rough. But if he can't get back there, if he looks like how he looked last playoffs, that's a problem. Well, he's polished in a way that you wouldn't expect a 26-year-old small forward to be polished in, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like the way he attacks closeouts, the way he's so willing to to try new things with his games. Like, like, like the Euro step in transition has become a part of his game. Like, that, that's just something he does now, which is interesting. Um, and the the pump fake and drive, like, like all the offensive stuff that he does, like that's just. Like, like I, I like that he experiments so much and adds to his game like that. Now, will he be able to do that when it really matters? Obviously, we won't know until it really matters, right? Uh, I, I just think it's interesting in preseason, like that, like they they've been so deliberate in putting him in that kind of spot and you know starting him in the first place. Like it really seemed like Mike D'Antoni was hesitant to start to start Daniel House, and then. You know that's the reason he started Eric Gordon for those first four preseason games. But it seems like they wanted to see how this would look, and they like how it looks, so they're going to keep it going. Yeah, uh, and we're I will finally start to see it in actual action soon because we you know we all know that preseason games are also not played at the same intensity as regular season games, which are not played at the same intensity as postseason games. So we'll see some we'll see something a lot closer to what matters. Uh, once the season gets started. Absolutely. So let's end on this. I have a question for you, and it's the question I posed on Twitter. Um, why aren't we talking about James Harden as a legitimate MVP candidate again this year? Like, 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 why is that conversation being so steadily dismissed? Like, I don't understand it. Like, <laughs> like, 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 I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read James Harden's per 36 numbers in the preseason. Right. I'm just gonna read them. All right. I'm gonna round up. 39 points per game, 11 assists per game, 8 rebounds per game, 2.5 steals per game, plus 19.7 on 65% true shooting. Like, 
are we expecting him to slow down? Like, is is that the thought there <laughs> that, that that Russ is going to take away some of this oxygen? Because I, I I don't think that's going to happen. Look, yeah, I was actually talking to someone today who was saying that they find his total lack of MVP buzz weird because most pundits seem to think the Rockets will be pretty good, but they don't think that James Harden will be eligible for MVP. And uh, I, to me, this looks very clearly like a, like a triangulation problem, which is to say that everyone out there is looking at everybody else and trying to see what everyone else thinks. So my impression is that most of these people do think that James Harden will have an MVP worthy season, but don't think anybody else is going to vote for him. So everyone thinks no one else likes him. If that makes any sense. I'm not even saying anybody actually does dislike him. I think it's like a weird quote unquote electability question that everyone's trying to see who is the most eligible for an MVP. And if it looks like James Harden has no MVP buzz, that means they think that he can't get any MVP buzz. So even though people, I think once the season starts, it'll change how people think about him. But it's a weird situation where it's like a self, you know, a, a self fulfilling prophecy that if no one thinks he's going to get an MVP vote, then they're not going to say he's going to get any, and he's going to be left off the lists. Even if everybody does in fact like him and think he's good and think he should be in the list, they might also like, yeah, but no one else thinks this. So what you're telling me is you think James Harden is the Bernie Sanders of the NBA. <laughs> I I don't even know how to approach that take. <laughs> I mean, the, the, that's what I got away from you. You know, you started but using... Go ahead. <laughs> now, I, okay, I see what you're saying. That, yes, he's someone who, like, by conventional wisdom is not going to be, like, uh, eligible, but seems to have, like... Everyone thinks everyone else doesn't like this person or something. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Like I said, I think... I think he's probably going to be second in MVP voting again because he always is because he's so good. No, I, I see where you, I see where you're going with that. I really do. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just don't understand. So like, I guess the idea is, and and I read. Um, I'm not sure if you read Zach Lowe's 35 predictions column, um, and in the, it's, it, I think I read something about. Uh, like something about the MVP race and how he believes that James Harden and Russell Westbrook are going to split votes. Like, hold on, how is that going to happen again? Because, like, <laughs> in in order to split votes, you need to be a an MVP candidate yourself. Like the, that that that's usually how vote splitting works, right? That that's how Kobe yes. that's how Kobe and Shaq split votes. That's how KD and Steph split votes. That's how Dwayne Wade and LeBron James split votes. Like. I'm sorry, like, Russ isn't that level of player? Like, he's not an MVP player in 2019? Well, if he is, then this team's going... But yeah, if, if he is an MVP level player, like, if Russ is, like, a top five or seven MVP level guy, if he's pulling off enough votes from James Harden to make it matter, then at that point, the team is probably really, really good to have two guys on that level. Yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, it, this really depends... This really... The, the the question here is how good do you think the Rockets are going to be, right? And most people seem to believe they're going to be a top four seed. Okay, so if you believe they're going to be a top four seed and you think James Harden's going to have a really good year, which, I mean, it's, it's pretty safe to say people believe he's going to have a top. So that adds up to being like a serious MVP candidate. Like even if you don't think the Rockets are a top two to three seed, which 
I think a lot of people believe that they aren't, right? Like, I think a lot of people have put teams like the Clippers, like the Jazz, like the Lakers in front of them. Like, and that's fair. You know, you can you can have your own opinion. We haven't seen regular season basketball it's, played yet. It's a, it's a lot sim- I think it's a lot simpler than this. I think it's just that we've all, at least we, as the community has internalized the idea that having other stars on your team DQs you from MVP. And I think it's really just as simple as that. And they didn't view Chris Paul as a big enough star to disqualify James Harden, but they seem to still view Russell Westbrook as that. And like I said, even if everyone, it might be that everyone thinks everyone else thinks this, but there's been a real shift in like the narrative around MVP over the last few years, uh, especially after a particular MVP, that having other stars on your team is just disqualifying. Yeah, that's so strange because... Like Chris Paul in that first year was better than what Russ is now, like he is, like he was, like, like Chris Paul the year before he came to the Rockets was an MVP candidate for the first twenty games of that season with the Clippers, like he he was a, an actual MVP candidate. Like Chris Paul was, like I, I think people forget how yeah, well good and people Chris Paul is like and. It, and people also thought that James Harden was going to be probably disqualified from an MVP for that reason before the season started. Did they though? Because there that's, was, the, mean, that's the season he won the MVP. <laughs> yeah, I know. But people are talking about like, well, the, Chris Paul's there, so he's probably going to pull away MVP votes. People say this every offseason. And that's why I like I don't care what all the pundits say because it's going to change once the games start. Like, it, James Harden's always going to be top two in MVP voting. And it doesn't matter like until he falls off a cliff. So it doesn't matter what people think ahead of the season. We've seen the pattern. So we just need to wait until we see what he's actually going to do and what people say then. This is all just speculating about speculating about speculating well sure but this preseason buzz matters like it carries over we've seen again and again and again people like time and time again the candidate that people believe is going to be the 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 mvp going into the season oftentimes wins it like 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 you remember the year that russ won it people thought he was the mvp candidate the year that Giannis won it was the year that people thought he was going to be the mvp like like this this carries over a lot and I and you know I, I'm not someone who capes for Harden's MVPs and, and and you know acts like he's been robbed multiple times. Like no, like I'm not someone who's like oh he should have four of these things. Like no, like I think I think Giannis should have won last year and Steph should have won that first year. And I think you know perhaps if you have one to gripe over, it's the one that you know it's the one that we don't talk about anymore, right? That. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only one, and, and and so I'm not someone who's like you know who gets upset about all this stuff. But I mean, like, if is that really, is that really the case here? Like that that it's just a, it's just a matter of people don't believe he's going to get those kind of votes, or is it like people don't believe he's going to have that kind of a season? I think it's I think it's the former. Like I really do think that like the the NBA commentary right now is so like chasing its own tail. It's such like a like a self interaction <laughs> going on that everyone's trying to figure out like not just who's going to have the best season, but like who's going to win the narrative battles and stuff. We're like weirdly too aware of all these things. And if we if you just ask people who do you think is going to have the best season, then you're going to get a much different answers than who you think is going to win the MVP. MVP. Just, they're different questions. I suppose. I suppose. I... I just thought it was fair to ask why we haven't seen any buzz because like like I I've, I've read all the stuff, I've listened to all the podcasts, like it, like 
I just haven't seen that level of buzz there. Like, and oftentimes when Harden's name does get brought off, it's it it gets dismissed after like twenty seconds. Like, it's not. It's like, oh, and James Harden, you know, you always have him, and then they move on. Like, the, well, there's there's newer, shinier toys. I mean, I don't I don't think it's it's fine. That's you know, fair. People want that, people that, that, want Embiid to win an MVP, stuff like that. I want MB. I want Embiid to win an MVP. That'd be yeah, great. That'd be great. It'd be fun. He'd have a great season. But yeah, I think it's a large part of it is that Harden's been around a while, and people, and he always is in you know big in the conversation. It's fun to talk about new guys. Sure, fair enough. I think I think that's a compelling argument. Um, Forrest, where can we follow you on Twitter? Hit me up at at do not d u n o t s. Follow me on Twitter at Salman Lee NBA. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, again, we are on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Excited to get going. And yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>